Well, we find ourselves in this holiday season again, and I want to wish all of you the very, very best. The gift has become an annual opportunity for us to give back to God during the Christmas season. Our fellowship family has developed a culture of generosity, believing that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to God, our resources can be used to make a difference locally, regionally, and globally. Last year, the people of Fellowship gave over $560,000 to the gift, which was prayerfully distributed by the elders to many worthy causes around the world. This year, we will again review the many requests made, but will also consider reducing the current debt with Fellowship Bentonville. Throughout the month of December, we are asking that you please prayerfully consider donating to the gift again. It's between you and God. We will make special envelopes available, or you can visit the giving page on our website, fellowshipnwa.org forward slash the gift. Thank you for your participation in the past and the difference you've made in the lives of so many through your generosity. Let's never forget how good God has been to us. Well, good morning, fellowship. Good morning. Good morning, Amy Anderson. Good morning, Sam Hannon. So glad that you are here this morning. If you are our guest, we want to say a special welcome to you this morning. Yes, thank you for being here. We want to get connected with you if you are new here. We want to do that through either meeting you out in the foyer after service, or you can do it online at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash new. You know what? Advent season begins next Sunday as we march towards Christmas. How many of you have your Christmas lights up? Mm, these, are, these are the people who get things done right here. Um, hey, you should have been handed an Advent brochure giving you all of the information about Fellowship Advent season as you walked in the room. For those of you watching on live stream, you can pick this up at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash advent. And all the information's in there. Information about our Christmas Eve services, information about Advent daily devotionals, and as you just saw in the video, information about the gift. The gift is a really awesome thing we do every year where we give in honor of the Savior and then our elders distribute that money all over the world and to local charities to make a difference. And this year, we're going to make a difference in our Fellowship Bentonville Fund as well. And so please prayerfully consider that. Mm -hmm. Hey, we have a few other things going on. There's lots of stuff going on out in the foyer. One is Operation Christmas Child Boxes. Did Absolutely. you turn yours in? I did. <laughs> good, good. So if you have your Operation Christmas Child Box, turn it in today. If it's still empty in your car, run between services, fill it up, and bring it back today. You can also drop it off at the office tomorrow. Um, and also, we want you to know that we're taking communion today. Today is our Thanksgiving share service, and so we'll be taking communion. We will be passing the trays, and the communion elements are double cupped. And so the bread and the juice will be stacked together. So you twist it like an Oreo. Yeah, kind of like a double stuffed Oreo, yeah. you know? <laughs> and if you are watching at home on the live stream, that is your cue now to go find a liquid and a solid to take communion with today. Yes. <laughs> hey, uh, while I've got Amy here, I just want you to know that you're one of my heroes. Amy Thanks. works with our fellowship student ministry, specifically with girls in Springdale. And I've just watched you do incredible ministry over the years. 
And you're going to give us an FSM update. Tonight. I am, and I'm really excited. And, and I wish we had all the time in the world uh, for me to share with you what the Lord is doing in FSM. But the, I'm really excited to talk about is our spring break mission trips that we get to take in March 2022. It's, it's been two years. Two since years. FSM has gotten to go on spring break missions, so we're glad to be back. We're so glad to be back. We had our uh, parent information meeting last Sunday where we got to talk about our six trips that we're offering for our seventh through twelfth graders. And each trip has a different emphasis or spiritual growth area that we hope our students will get to experience. So our seventh and eighth graders get to go to Texas. It's a great mission to go to, you know? And it, lots of lost people in Texas. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, but they're going to focus on community and spiritual formation and what it means to follow Jesus. And then our ninth graders get to go to meet with our partners in Memphis and learn about inner city ministry. And then our 10th through 12th graders have a couple different options that focus on cross-cultural ministry, how to make disciples, uh, church planning in a postmodern nation uh, or culture, um, or uh, spiritual leadership as well. And we're really, really excited about it. So six different mission trips this spring break and yes. the sign up process has begun so parents be on alert it's happening it's time to sign up for spring break mm -hmm. if you have any questions on that you can come find me or email me and i'd be happy to give you information on that that is awesome what mm -hmm. an incredible thing that our students don't focus on themselves on spring break but they focus outwardly and go and serve locally and uh, globally and so we're so excited about that hey, i have one more thing for you this morning we've been asking of you to take of a survey about Fellowship Bentonville. So February 27th, we open up our new campus and we need to know where you're going to church. That will help us plan. And so if you could take out your phones right now and go to your camera app, zoom in on this QR code and take a survey. It takes 30 seconds. In fact, here's how easy it is. The first question says, do you plan to stay here at Fellowship Rogers? We'd love to have you. Or do you plan to go to Bentonville? If you say Rogers, you're done. We already know you. But if you say you're going to Fellowship Bentonville, there's three other questions, and we need that information to plan for children and students. So if you could, take the survey. For those of you on the stream, you can do the same from home. Can you all do that for me? That would be great. Everybody take a deep breath. It's Thanksgiving week. And at Fellowship, we're going to take some time this morning to focus our hearts on gratitude. And so... What are you thankful for? And aren't we thankful to the Lord? Would you pray with me? Let's prepare our hearts to enter into worship. Well, oh Lord, you've been so good to us in so many ways. You've blessed us with so many blessings, including the blessing of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross to give us a second chance at life. And so Lord, today as we sing and as we pray, as we give and as we share, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our hands so that we could see you for who you really are. And we could see what you've done in our lives. And as we enter into this week, where we pause and express thanks, I pray that you would lead the way beginning right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, my fellowship family. We have so looked forward to this time with you, a time to express our gratitude for what God has done in our lives. Amen? Oh, that was pretty quiet. Amen? Amen. All right. You know, well, Psalm 22, the Psalm of David, it was intended to be sung in a gathering just like this, of God's people in worship. 
And in it, David sings, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. Before everyone, I will praise you. And he goes on to say, from you comes the theme of my praise. In the great assembly, before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, says this, we must see to it that we call up our best abilities when Jesus is the theme of our praise. This morning, we have the precious opportunity to give Jesus our best through our praise and worship. Now, I know what some of you guys think. Some, some of you may think, I don't even sing. I don't like to sing. I don't even sing in the shower. But I would like, just for a moment, to challenge your thinking just a bit. There is a unique significance and power to your voice in song. Just consider these headlines from the BBC on singing. The world's most accessible stress reliever. Huh. Whether you have the voice of a songbird or you sound like some ball bearings in a blender, singing can have remarkably positive effects. What about that? From Time Magazine, singing changes your brain. Group singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and elevate endorphins. See, you don't have to run for six miles, just sing, you know? From NPR, Imperfect Harmony, how singing with others changes your life. Leading health journals have attributed these benefits to singing. Relieve stress, stimulates the immune response, increases pain threshold, improves, get this, improves snoring. Yeah? You know, and I actually shared that with Sean, and he goes, it's a thing. You raise your, elevate your soft palate, is that what you said? So it must be true. You know, Sean endorses, yeah. Improves lung function, develops a sense of belonging and connection, enhances memory in dementia patients, and helps with grief. You know, I love it when the world and all of its self-proclaimed brilliance and wisdom comes to the same conclusion that God has been saying all along in His Word. Consider Psalm 59, 16. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. You are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Singing relieves stress? From Acts 16, 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Develops a sense of connection and belonging. Psalm 71, 23, my lips will shout for joy. Shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. Helps with grief. You know, Colossians 3.16 encourages, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. This morning we have the precious opportunity to sing to our God with gratitude in our hearts. Are you thankful? You know, Zephaniah 3.17 paints the picture of a God that treasures singing as a way to express his love for his people and his provision for his people. This morning, family, let's love him back. Let's love him back with our song. Are you with me? 
Are you with me? All right. Let's stand and sing this together.
Play. 
lift your voices, sing this. All my life you have been Well, I don't know about you all, but one of the ways that I experience the goodness of God and reflect on the goodness of God the most is through hearing other people's stories of how God has changed their lives. And, and that's why I love working at FSM. It's like every week I get to hear stories of how God is changing the lives of students. And this morning, I'm even more excited because you guys will get to hear Elijah Foster's story this morning. He's a 12th grader in FSM, and we're going to get to hear about how God has changed his life. And we're so, so excited. And Elijah, just to tell you up front, FSM is so thankful for you. And you're a blessing to FSM and to the body of Christ as a whole. And are you ready to answer some questions this morning about your story? Yes, I am. All right, so let's go. So let's start off with uh, maybe the hardest question that I'm going to ask you this morning. What town are you from, and what school do you go to? Um, I'm from uh, Springdale, and I go to Harbor High School. Yes, we're the Springdale. Oh, yeah, we can cheer. Thank you. The 8 a.m. didn't cheer for that, so I'm so glad our Springdale people are representing uh, this morning. But so, Elijah, we see you and as a leader in FSM Springdale. The way you pursue Jesus, it's so evident to us and to your leaders. And in a culture that it's hard to pursue Jesus, it's hard to follow after him when the culture is saying, hey, pursue this, go after this, this will satisfy you. You still choose to follow Jesus. So can you answer for us, why do you choose to follow Jesus and be his disciple? Well, um, really it was recently that I decided to become his disciple and follow him. Um, uh, it was uh, last summer during Timberline. Um, we went and um, it was a church trip in, uh, and during cabin time where we just sit talk about, you know, what, what the Lord's doing. Um, uh, Caleb Freeman uh, says to me, he goes, well, just says very encouraging things and like things that, you know, your parents would say to you, but you just shrug it off because they're your parents. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, things like that. And for me to hear that of someone I'm not related to, it kind of just, you know, the Lord has to be working through that person, right? And I don't, I don't, you don't see that outside of church at all, really. So um, that kind of, that, it was kind of like an enlightening moment of like, yeah, I, I need to, need to get a grip and follow Jesus. So, yeah. Yes. So it sounds like, man, you chose to follow Jesus because you experienced the love of Jesus through the church. What an incredible story. And, and I know that as we were talking, preparing kind of for this, this interview, one of the questions I asked you was, what has God done in your life? And you immediately answered with, well, he's doing so many things, though. And so the question I want to ask you and have you answer for us is, what is God doing in your life right now? What is he teaching you currently? Um, currently, um, he's teaching me how to 
hold, being, being held accountable, really. Um, I have a friend, uh, his name is Gerson, and he, me and him uh, text each other every night, and we say, um, hey, like, read the Bible. And we've been reading um, Romans, and yeah, basically like that. And, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we've been reading Romans, and um, uh, yeah, like, I mean, having, walking in faith alone is, was tough. Um, without, without someone like Gerson holding me accountable, um, I definitely wouldn't be up here right now speaking to you guys. So, yeah, that is just, yeah, it's a big, big example of what uh, the Lord is doing in my life right now. So. Wow, and what a good reminder for us that we can't do this alone. We're not meant to follow Jesus alone, so thank you for that reminder. And, and in light of Thanksgiving being this week, Elijah, you know, we're doing a lot of Thanksgiving and practicing gratitude this morning. Will you share with us once, maybe one or two things you're thankful to the Lord for in this season? Um, um, I'm thankful for uh, a lot of things, main, mainly like my cell group, um, my cell group leaders, every one of them is just awesome. And I definitely wouldn't be up here without them. And um, uh, a lot of my, my friends that go to cell group, uh, Davis, Noah, and Gerson, they've been really encouraging me in my faith. And, um, uh, but probably the biggest thing right now um, that I kind of recently thought of was my, probably my parents. Um, it wasn't, like last year during COVID, I was, really, I was really separated from the Lord. I didn't, I, you know, I stopped going to church. I... Um, and when Skull Group started up, I, I had no uh, passion for it. And then my parents, um, uh, the Lord through them, volunteered me for, for have, have Skull Group at my house. So, but, and I mean, if that hadn't happened, like, I would not have gone to Timberline. I wouldn't have, you know, get, got close to my leaders at all. And I definitely would not be... Speaking up here, so that all traces back to that, so, yeah. Wow, well, thank you for sharing, and thanks for sharing with us your story. I follow you, follow the Lord, and we're just thankful that you're part of the body of Christ this morning. So thanks, Elijah. Hey, I don't know what you were doing when you were a senior in high school, but were you sharing your journey with Jesus, with others? up a generation and even down another generation. And well done, mom and dad. You know there's a couple of ways to skin a cat, don't you? <laughs> you won't go to cell group, we're just gonna have cell group come to you. You can either sit in the garage or go in the backyard or you can join us. Such good parenting. Hey, where does gratitude like this come from? Where does it, uh, where does Thanksgiving start? Because we usually say, well, it's tied to some good circumstance. So something works out for our life, and so gratitude wells up in our heart. Well, I do think gratitude comes from the heart. But where does it start even before it enters into our hearts? Well, this morning, we're going to look at a psalm of thanksgiving, a song, actually, of thanksgiving from the Scriptures. It's found in Psalm 107. And it begins quite simply by saying, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks. Would it help you to know that the root word behind that verb, give thanks, actually means to open the hands? And is that not a great visual picture of gratitude? This sense of open-handed living as opposed to this 
tight-fisted grip on life that demands it must go my way for me to give thanks. No, there's something about this that's so precious and unique. We're open-handedly thankful to Yahweh. The rest of the line says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And now we see the Father answering the question about where thanksgiving comes from right in the opening line of the song. It doesn't come from good circumstances. It comes from focusing on something else, actually someone else. Gratitude comes from our focus and putting it on God and what he's doing in our life. My dad turned 84 years old on Thursday. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but he started hospice eight weeks ago. So my brothers and I really did not expect that we would celebrate his 84th uh, birthday with him. And he had a little birthday party in a little nursing home room in a little bed that he's been confined to since July. And it was a, a big deal uh, for us to watch because for months we have watched uh, family and friends, but also even staff uh, at the facility that he lives in, parading in and out of his room to visit him during these last couple of months. And every time people come in, uh, they they enter a room filled with laughter and tears. In fact, I got an email from one of the folks at Fellowship Fayetteville this week who said, Mark, I now make it a point to go see your dad every week because it's my weekly picker-upper. I go to encourage him, and I always leave encouraged. Well, my wife and I were talking, what's the secret sauce of that? Because my dad's a pretty much of a realist, right? He's just not your, he's a pleasant man, but not a happy-go-lucky guy. He's not the walking dad joke, okay? But the difference has been he affirms and finds something to give gratitude in every person who walks in that room, whether it be his grandkids whom he adores or a CNA in the middle of the night whom he's never met who comes in to do the, the hardest and dirtiest jobs in a nursing home. Everybody leaves with something he's grateful for. Now, either that comes from natural-born optimism, I don't think so, or it comes from something else. I believe gratitude in the heart starts right here, your focus, what you choose to focus on. And the psalmist says, we are thankful to the Lord, not because we see our circumstances, but because we see God for who he is. And who is he? He says, just for starters, he is good, and he is full of of a kind of love for you that the scriptures call loving kindness. This word loving kindness, is a, it's, a, it's a really rich and deep kind of robust word. It's even hard for us to find one English word to translate the depth of it. Uh, it has two ideas behind it. It describes a love that is both tender and strong at the same time. It's both gritty and it's a kind at the same time. It's so important that 247 times God tells us in the Old Testament that this is what he's like. It's almost as though he's saying, do you want to know what's on my mind and heart right now? Loving kindness for you. The depth of the word is from a Hebrew word has said. I've often teased my wife, if I ever choose in my old age to get a tattoo, I'm going to get this word tattooed right over my heart. 
My fear is that it'll land somewhere in my stomach by the later years, though. So I think I'll skip that and just hold on to the word by faith. The New Testament uh, counterpart to that Old Testament word is grace. That's why the New American Standard translates it loving kindness. In a later updated version, they translate it mercy. The NIV, if you read that in your quiet times, it's steadfast love. If you read the New English translation, it's a sense of loyal love. And if you're old school and love the King James, it's faithful love. And you get the idea, don't you? It's this love you cannot earn. It did not start with you, and it will not stop with you. My favorite description of God's love comes from Ken Boa. He says that the love of God is causeless, and it's measureless, and it's ceaseless. And that's such good news because if it's causeless, that means it doesn't it's not prompted from me. God doesn't love me because Mark is lovely. God loves me because he's loved. It also doesn't stop with me. If it's ceaseless or measureless, that means there's nothing we can do to stop him from putting his affection on you this way. We cannot wear God's love out. That's why the psalmist says it's everlasting. We cannot use God's love up. It is never ending. And the reason that we will enjoy God for all of eternity is his love is so infinitely large, only something that's the size of a container called eternity could hold it for us to experience it. So where does gratitude come from? Not from seeing circumstances, but from seeing that God, from seeing the grace and goodness of God. Psalm 107 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loyal love endures. Let those delivered by the Lord speak out, those whom he delivered from the power of the enemy. So God's loyal love looks at the people he loves and chooses to go after their enemies. We may have a host of different circumstances in this room this morning, but we all share the same two enemies. We get up every morning and we fight the same two oppressors called sin and death. And God in his love goes after those enemies. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we would not perish but have eternal life. He took on those enemies, which is why at a Thanksgiving service, It is best and right for us, even as we begin the service, to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, by acknowledging the highest and best act of his goodness and grace. The communion elements will be passed to you this morning. Again, they're double cups, so just grab one set, and you'll find the bread and the juice there. Hold them in your hands, and we will take and eat and drink as one body. Sing this as a family. 
from Psalm 22. It's considered to be the Psalm of the Cross. And although a a song of David, it so closely parallels the experience of Christ's suffering on the cross. Charles Spurgeon, he says this, 
He said we should read it reverently, putting off our shoes from off our feet as Moses did at the burning bush. For if there be holy ground anywhere in Scripture, it is in this psalm. The psalm begins with the familiar words of Jesus, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends with the words, He has done it. But some theologians believe more accurately translated, It is finished. Which leads them to believe that Jesus may have actually quoted from this psalm as He hung on the cross. Consider Jesus' suffering through the lens of this psalm. Starting with verse 14. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. But listen to the response amidst all this pain. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. I will keep my promise. Even in all of Jesus' pain and anguish, his response before the whole world was praise. God was the theme of his praise. And he fulfilled his vows, even though it meant incredible torture, death on a cross of wood. And so as a family, we remember. Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ, may you be the theme of our praise. Take any. Jesus said this, the blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, may we fulfill our vows to you, declaring you as Savior and Lord in action, heart and deed. Take and drink. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his loyal love endures. Let those delivered by the Lord speak out. You notice how grateful hearts lead to something? Leads to thankful lips, a verbal recounting of what God has done for us. In fact, Psalm 107 is actually a long psalm and and uh, 40 of the verses just detail the very specific things that God did for the people of Israel. 
the way he blessed them spiritually and relationally, physically, materially. It recounts one after another blessing. It's very specific. The only time it interrupts the recounting of blessings is just to interject one line repeated four times. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love, for the amazing things he has done for people. Remember that uh, giving thanks has a sense of open hands, right? Months ago, I found myself um, waking before the alarm, long before the alarm went off, almost every morning for weeks in a row. For me, that's the first clue that uh, all is not well in my interior life. What had happened, uh, even up and down, driving down I-49, was I noticed that my hands would be clenched on the steering wheel. See, anxious thoughts had produced tight-fisted, clenched living. One day on the way down the freeway, it was almost as though the Lord said, hey, why don't you do that thing you tell other people to do? He was calling me on my hypocrisy. Because I don't know where I heard this. I think I heard it from a community group 25, 30 years ago, where I heard someone say they start every day with both hands closed. And they choose to thank God for something specific, one at a time, opening each finger until all 10 fingers are open and their hands are in open-ended gratitude and praise. So for the last couple of weeks, just each morning, starting this way, to go back to an old practice in hopes of finding some new life. And I wonder if we might be in the same posture this morning. Could I ask you to bow your heads and take both hands in your lap and make two fists. And then one by one, begin to thank God for something very specific in your life. Until both hands are open. Psalm 107, verse 2, says, Let those delivered by the Lord speak out. Would you fill in this simple sentence with a word or phrase? Lord, thank you for blank. What if we were to take this room right now and turn it into a public, open-handed thanksgiving of worship? Call it out loudly. Lord, thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, thank you for 
Shout it out. We want to hear you. Lord, thank you for healing, guidance in your hands. Lord, thank you for your family, my marriage. Lord, thank you for fellowship, protecting, I heard, forgiveness, my salvation, Christian friends, worship. Lord, thank you for patience. Lord, thank you for. Don't you see, as the heart opens up with deliberate thanksgiving, which comes from a focus on who God is, you can sense the freedom. And oh, by the way, nothing has changed in your circumstances in the last 22 minutes. What's changed? Your gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Psalm 107 ends with this line, whoever is wise, in other words, these are the men and women who live well. Whoever is wise, let them take note of these things. Let them consider the Lord's acts of loyal love. Take a look at Rebecca's story and listen to the gratitude that pours from her heart. All through my life, even though I lived a life of sin, I knew that there was something much greater than me, and I knew his name was Jesus, but I never knew how to have a relationship. I thought I was too far gone. I was raised in poverty. Most of my life I've lived a very broken life, very, very broken, lost life. And about four or five years ago, I was incarcerated for a credit card fraud. It came to the end of me completely, totally at the end of me. And I say that that's when um, Jesus, he reached down and he saved me. April 4th, 2016 is when Jesus totally just transformed my life. He reached in and completely changed my life. I made a lot of changes, a whole lot of changes. Um, the one thing that I had not yet got a hold of that he was still molding and working on that little Potter's wheel that he does, and he does it amazingly, was my finances. And I was attending church on a regular basis and there was a lady there that was just I mean, hungry for my life. She wanted to know my story and constant. I was like, you really don't want to know. You have no clue what you're asking. Because I wasn't, I was still living a little bit of shame. I mean, guilt. My past is ugly. It's dirty, like the Apostle Paul talks about. You know, he was the worst of work, all sinners. Um, so she and I started sharing with her and just completely opening up because, I mean, it's God's glory story. And she said, you know, I want to feed into your life. What can I do? What can I do? And she wanted just to fix me. I mean, you tell she was wanting to take all the broken pieces. So she said, you know what I'm going to do? The one thing that I know will help is FBU. I am going to sponsor you. I want you to go take this class and get all you can. I was so excited. I was like, you know, I've given every other tool, all these other tools. Um, and these people in the church were loving on me. And God was loving on me. And showing me how to live a godly life. And it was so amazing. So when I entered in Financial Peace University, I had filed bankruptcy. I'm a single mom. I am struggling. It's hard to get a job when you're a felon. And with my background, it was super hard. So it was like I was living on $9 an hour, barely making it. But um, oh, I can't, almost can't quit crying because it's so beautiful what God does. And, um, but at that broken place, I became so close to Him. There's nothing that could tear me apart from him now. Um, he was my everything. I got a message from Megan, a lady with FPU. I had been in Financial Peace University, a uh, few classes. 
I had to stop going to those classes because of work and the school environment. But this particular weekend, uh, Megan Denman had reached out to me by text and just asked if I would be around the house that her and the FPU class had um, got together and had a few things for me that she would like to bring by and asked if it would be convenient. I thought that was really kind of weird. I was kind of ecstatic. I thought it was really neat though. Um, it was very sweet. Um, I was like, sure, I guess so. You can absolutely. When Megan got there, she um, handed me like a little packet and a little note card and was like, you know, we just wanted you to have a little something, me and the class from FPU. We knew you were going through some things and it was generosity week. And I was just like, wow, I didn't even really know what to say or think. I wasn't sure what it was. I had no clue, would have never, ever expected what was in this envelope. And she was just nonchalant. She was like, okay, thanks, bye, you know, and just left. And I opened the envelope and instantly I'm, I'm boohoo balling. All I see is cash and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I mean, no, literally I was crying tears of joy. It was the most beautiful thing ever. And my oldest daughter came and took it from me, kind of like, what on earth is this? What's going on? And I had a friend who was sitting on the couch and the kids were running around playing. Well, I had walked into the kitchen, one of my grandkids had asked for something. And I mean, I was crying tears of joy. But in my heart, in my mind, I knew, I was like, God, you are so amazing. It was one of those moments that was speechless. It was such a good feeling. And I was, oh, things were going through my mind of how do I thank these people? What do I say? Who do I reach out to? My daughter was counting the money. I didn't know, I mean, she counted, I think it was $1,000 and she was like, Mom, this lady just came and brought you this money. I said, it was my financial peace class. I said, that was a class that we go to to learn how to you know, deal with money. And I was going to this class. They got together as a group in generosity. This was their lesson that week. They came together to bless me, Allie. And I said, and she was just like amazed. That moment changed my daughter in her view of finances, her faith in God and generosity herself. I was totally blown away by this. I didn't know, and all I could do was just tell Megan, I mean, you guys have blessed me beyond belief. God has truly used you in ways, and I couldn't even explain in how many ways. What they did was beyond what they could possibly imagine. You know, if each one of them just gave a few bucks, it tremendously changed my life, not just financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I walked with the Lord, I grew in faith. My daughter's faith is just unbelievable. She was, I mean, she always watches everything in my life now a little closer because she sees God working. And I think everybody in our lives, this is how I always look, looked at it, was people on the outside when you profess your faith, when you claim that you love the Lord, and especially coming from a background like I did, you know, being broken and then all of a sudden being like a blossom, like this flower blossoming, this transformation takes place. People on the outside, I think, are always watching for something to happen to either prove it wrong or to see, wow, this is really real. And I think that's what most people in my life at that time were watching. So I was really able to profess my faith in what this group of people, men and women that love the Lord, that loved God, that were pursuing God and pursuing God in their finances, they came together and blessed me. So it's huge what God does in and through people that are willing. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. We know it comes from the grace and the goodness of God. But where does gratitude lead? What comes next? Because God's too good to let goodness just stop. He wants gratitude to beget gratitude, or grace to beget grace. And so remember, the 
The word giving thanks has this picture of living with an open hand. What do we do best with open hands? We receive and we give. We receive freely the grace of God and we extend freely that grace to others as well. There's no sense of compulsion in that kind of giving. Look at the way the psalmist says it in Psalm 54, verse 6. He says, with a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. So he connects this grateful heart to a willing sense of giving. Giving for this psalmist is not a have to. It's a, it's a get to. We receive freely from God we freely give back to him and to others. What does gratitude lead to? I think it leads to a sense of joyful generosity. Listen, we're heading into the holiday season, and we know this Christmas season is a a season of giving. Now, we've all been told that it is bad form to re-gift your gifts, right? You're not supposed to wrap up what you received last year under the tree and pass it on to someone else in the family. Can I challenge that assumption? I think in God's economy, it's all regifting. Gratitude is nothing more than the joyful habit of constantly regifting what He's put into our hands. We give thanks because He joyfully chose to put material and spiritual relational, even emotional blessings, physical blessings in our lives. And so we re-gift those to others, looking at a way to extend those same blessings, whether they be spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, or even financially to others. Gratitude makes us happy receivers, but also happy re-gifters. And I think gratitude is essential for living well, which is why the psalm closes with that line. Psalm 107, verse 43. Whoever's wise, let him take note of these things. Let them consider the Lord's acts of loyal love. The wisest people I know live this gratefully. Gary Oliver is a friend of fellowship and a member here. He's also a dear friend of mine. And I remember back in 09, after he had suffered a string of losses and death, deep seasons of grief, he delivered a sermon here called Surprised by Gratitude. And in it, he says, gratitude makes sense of our past. It brings peace for today. And it creates a new vision for tomorrow. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness endures forever. Would you stand? Let's declare his worth together.
Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. By way of benediction, could we say aloud over the first line of this song of thanksgiving and the closing line, knowing that this week 
this Thanksgiving week, you will fill in all of the lines between by recounting your own blessings. Let's do this by benediction. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loyal love endures. Whoever is wise, let him take note of these things. Let them consider the Lord's acts if we can pray for you today, it would be our joy. The parishes are over here in our prayer room, and if there's a burden you've walked in with, don't carry it alone. Give us the privilege of praying for that. God bless you, fellowship. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you next weekend.